I'm Jonathan Capehart, and welcome to Capehart. Al Franken was made famous by his role as a writer and performer on Saturday Night Live for three decades. But he turned his political activism into a political career, serving as a U.S. Senator from Minnesota for 10 years. It's his time in that august chamber that provides the comedic fodder for his The Only Former U.S. Senator Currently On Tour Tour. In this conversation, first recorded on February 9th for Washington Post Live, we talked about his tour and what do you think Senate Democrats should do ahead of the midterms. But when I asked Franken about the circumstances surrounding his 2017 Senate resignation and the Me Too movement, it didn't go so well. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this uh, because it's very complicated and you know, this is very, very difficult for me and for my family. I think a lot of people come up to me all the time and say that was ridiculous. And I, I you know, I, I just, I don't want to discuss it here right now. How's that? What Franken did discuss was the possibility of running for elective office again and whether he'd take over SNL if Lorne Michaels retires. Senator Franken, welcome to Capehart and Washington Post Live. Well, thank you, Jonathan, for inviting me. <laughs> so, Senator Franken, as I do with anyone who has had the guts to run for elective office uh, and ask people to vote for them, I always use their titles, whether they're current or former. But would you mind if I call you Al? Uh, yes. No. You wouldn't. Your producer asked me before, I said, call me Al. <laughs> So, Al, what inspired the only former U.S. senator currently on tour tour? Uh, I love comedy. I That's where I started. I actually never really did a single stand-up uh, tour. I used to do comedy with Tom Davis, who uh, we went to high school together, and we were two of the original SNL writers. Uh, we, did, uh, we did 15 seasons there, not three decades, but we did it over okay. two decades. We left for five. and came back. Uh, so Tom and I uh, toured as a team, but I've been a, a big fan of really great stand-ups uh, all my life. And, you know, people, there, there's a million of them, but uh, mm -hmm. people like Carlin and, uh, you know, Lenny Bruce and uh, just Pry Richard Pryor, all those people. And I really admire great stand-ups. And I started working out at a place called the Comedy Cellar, uh, in in Greenwich Village uh, about a year ago and just trying to get my chops going and then went on tour uh, in September. I did 15 cities, did D.C., did the Warner Theater down there and um, about to go on to do 16 more uh, cities starting in a week or so. Wow. I love the fact that you went back um, to go, you know, to you said the Comedy Cellar? and yeah. uh, to get your chops back. Did it take you longer than you expected to get your chops back? Oddly, no. Uh, but I mean, I don't even know if it was chops back, but because I, I really not done a, a single, but you know, I've been public speaking for a long time and I've been fun, I was, you know. Uh, so no, it was actually fun right away. Mm -hmm. And I had, I had actually, before the pandemic, gone on the road a little bit and that was more of 
a little bit of different format, more speech answering questions kind of thing. But this was really, I just seriously said, okay, you're doing stand-up, Al. Let's, let's see if you can do that. So then, Al, what material do you cover in this show? And how are you folding the stranger-than-fiction current events into your comedy? Well, first of all, it's comedy. And so it's, uh, I'm, you know, people shouldn't come expecting a lot of, um, you know, just commentary. I, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to honor stand-up comedy. So I'm, it's, it's about laughs. But I did talk a lot about what's going on now in, in, uh, in, in this country in terms of our governance. I think you're going to be asking me about the Senate and stuff like that. I do talk a lot about uh, the people I served with and what that was like. Uh, and also, of course, about uh, some of the conflicts that we're, we're seeing right now. Mm -hmm. So it's a mix of stuff. All right. So let's, well, let's just talk about it. So who do you talk about? in your tour, like who really gets broiled? Hey, uh, Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, have, I have a thing called the Ted Cruz section of the show, because oh. there's so much to say. <laughs> he, um, yeah, I, I uh, have always said about Ted is that I probably like Ted Cruz more than most of my colleagues like Ted Cruz, and I hate Ted Cruz. <laughs> so I just explain why. <laughs> and I talk. I talk about. Uh, I, I tell a number of stories, and they're all pretty unbelievable. Uh, there's a reason people don't like him. I mean, Lindsey Graham said if someone killed Ted Cruz on the floor, they could never get convicted, and they had a trial in the Senate. No one would convict them. And <laughs> he, you know, <laughs> and he's kind of right. And right. Um, so I tell some some pretty interesting stories about Ted. Hmm. Uh, who is, so? And, and I knew this that Ted Cruz takes had, takes up a lot of of time in your in your set in your tour. But who do who do you broil? Who most folks wouldn't think you would um, make a joke about them. Well, I do, I do joke about some of my Democratic colleagues, but it's nothing, nothing. <laughs> like well, sure, Ted. nothing like Ted Cruz. It's more uh, affectionate uh, kind of um, uh, stuff about them. I mean, you know, I talk about Bernie having to, um, you know, I've known Bernie for a long time. I, I campaigned for him when he was in the House. And, uh, you know, I uh, he sort of had had the same stump speech for uh, 30 years, which is, you know, this country is run by the millionaires and the billionaires. And then I <laughs> talk about the time he turned out he's a millionaire because he sold a, a number of, you know, a number of bestsellers, not number one New York Times bestsellers like I have, but he's <laughs> And it was just about his time having to adjust from this country is run by the Billionaires and multi-billionaires, you know, and it was just having him try not to say millionaires. And he, that's when I, I, you know, remember he had that heart attack mm -hmm. uh, November on, on the way to that uh, in the 20, beginning of the 2020 cycle. 
And a lot of people say to me, well, oh, well, that's it for Bernie. I guess, are you kidding? I said, Bernie has more energy than anyone I know. And I said, remember Cheney? He had like 12 heart attacks uh, during the Bush administration. And uh, he had three artificial hearts, uh, two of which rejected him. <laughs> Listen, Al, the, as you well know, the intersection of comedy and politics can be fraught. Do you think we're overly sensitive today when it comes to some comedy or all comedy? Are we taking comedy too seriously? Yeah, I mean, yes, people are way too sensitive about everything. And uh, it's a problem. And, and what, what I... What I think is kind of funny is uh, Republicans complain about woke, and now they're going to actually make it possible for parents to sue teachers for uh, in Florida. This is what uh, mm-hmm. Santos wants to do uh, for making their child feel discomfort. Oh, yeah. And so you can't, can't basically... I mean, this is obviously about, you know, critical race theory, which is not taught in K through 12. It's not taught in college. It's taught in law school. Uh, and it's, uh, it's just, it, it's treating our kids, it's, it's going to make, make it impossible to teach kids in, uh, in, in Florida, which is going to disservice the kids. You know, when mm-hmm. I, was, I was growing up, when I was in school, I had right-wing teachers, I had left-wing teachers, I had teachers who were racist and anti-Semitic, I had great teachers. I could tell the difference, I could deal with it. And, um, you know, you also, you have to be able to talk about this stuff. And I think people are just afraid to talk about things now. And mm-hmm. it's, it's on both sides, it, it goes both ways, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, on that that Florida bill, I wrote a uh, a column uh, on on Tuesday about the discomfort bill and how idiotic it yeah. is, and they're trying to bubble wrap kids from being challenged about our our nation's history. But let's move move from comedy and talk about the the situation that Whoopi Goldberg is in. You recently came out in defense of Whoopi. Um, who it wasn't exactly, like it certainly wasn't in defense of what she said. I just said that right. Uh, she, I, I, I think she didn't really understand. She basically said that she didn't think, uh, you know, the Holocaust was about race, and uh, of course, of course, of course, uh, the Nazis uh, believed my people were a race, that Jews were a race, and this is actually part of. If you look at what critical race theory is, it says that uh, race is sort of a social phenomenon. It's it's what you it's what people impose on it. It's uh, so you know in this country, Italians were once not quite white, and right. you know what I mean. And now they are, and so all this is sort of in our heads. And I think that Whoopi got confused and it was a it was a dumb kind of dumb or ignorant thing to say and but i think she genuinely was apologetic and i i had no problem with what uh they did at the view or abc two weeks off is doing a fine thing i think 
Uh, I don't know what their policy has been in the past on things like right. that. I know they had uh, someone from the ADL on, or the head of the ADL on. I think that's a that was a really good thing. And so I, I was just saying, I don't know what their policy has been when right. and hosts or other people on the show have made that kind of mistake. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. Monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Um, you know, I don't know if you know this about me, but I went to Carleton College in North oh, really? Minnesota. Yes. School. And it's a fabulous school. And I see you have Mr. Wellstone behind you. And Paul Wellstone, yeah. the late senator yeah. from Minnesota, was one yeah. of my political science professors. That was my major. He was amazing, wasn't he? He, re he really was. Yeah. He, uh, his reason I ran for the Senate was Paul, because Paul uh, died in a plane crash, as you know, in 2002, and uh, just about two weeks before that election. And uh, Coleman ended up winning it. Um, I, I won't get into some of the stuff that happened right before in terms of the, uh, the memorial funeral forum, service forum, and how that was mischaracterized. But Norm Coleman, a few months after being in the Senate, was interviewed by Roll Call and said um, said that he was a 99% improvement over Paul Wellstone. And that's when I said, who the hell is going to run against this guy? And um, that got it into my head. And I ended up clobbering him by 312 votes. Right, and it, took a, and it took a while to certify that election, which happened in November 2008, and it was certified in what, June of 2009? Yeah, right at the end of June. Now, I, I actually won the recount in January. I won the recount mm -hmm. in time to be seated. The Republicans didn't want me there because I ended up being the 60th vote. So they did everything they could to stop me from getting there. Right. So, Al, I, I, I have to ask you about. Um, you know, what led to you leaving the Senate? And it's been four years since you resigned. Uh, in, in, in 2019, seven current and former senators told The New Yorker that they regretted forcing you out of office. You've also said that you regret resigning. Why? Well, uh, I think for the, those seven, now there are nine of them. I've had two since publicly apologize. Which is unusual. You don't get nine senators publicly apologizing for something. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't give me, um, they, they made it impossible for me to get due process. And I think if you read the New Yorker, I don't know, did you read the New Yorker article? 
I, I did not read the New Yorker article. Okay, well, I would, uh, I would hope people would who are interested in this because um, it puts a lot of perspective on. No one investigated this. No one at the Washington Post investigated it. No one at the New York Times investigated. No one did any investigation of this at all. And I had 36 of my colleagues demand that I leave, and um, I, I didn't get due process. And it was a pretty uh, awful experience for me and my family. And I would and urge then, people, to, I would, you know, Jane Mayer, whom you know, right? Mm -hmm. One of the great investigative reporters in our country, actually did an investigation. And one of the people who apologized since was Dick Durbin, and he apologized as soon as he read the article. And people mm -hmm. who are interested in this, like yourself, really should, should read that. Okay, oh, I, I, I will do that. Um, of course, we're talking about um, your resignation over allegations of sexual harassment. I want to read something that feminist author Laura Kipnis said um, about the 2017 Me Too, hashtag Me Too fallout. Um, that quote, there was failed distinction making and political expediency and the imp impossibility of sorting motives from facts. That's what's starting to get unraveled now. I'd love your thoughts about how you are unraveling the Me Too movement and how this has shaped your life the last four years. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this uh, mm -hmm. because it's very complicated. And let's say that that's pretty accurate and uh, that. Um, I, you know, this is very, very difficult for me and for my family. And, uh, I, you know, I, I do appreciate the nine who've come to me and apologize. Those are public. I've had others apologize to me and won't go public. And they, um, uh, it's, I think a lot of people come up to me all the time and say that was ridiculous. And I, I, you know, I, I just, I don't want to discuss it here right now. How's that? Oh, that's fine. That's fine. I, all I do is ask questions. <laughs> you can answer them or not answer them. Now, of course, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand um, was the one who led that effort um, to get you to leave the Senate. And you recently said that you would not run for Gillibrand's seat in the Senate. But this leads to a Twitter question that came, that, that came in um, that asks, are you going to run again? Do you, do you have it in, in your bones or in your blood to jump back into the political arena and run for elective office again? I don't know. I, um, I certainly love my time in the Senate. I loved uh, the job. I got a lot done. I was able to accomplish things that I couldn't accomplish anywhere else, I don't think. So yeah, it would be tempting to try to do that again. Mm -hmm. um, at some point, Yeah, perhaps. I'm only 70. Okay. So I've got, uh, let's see, uh, Grassley's running for re-election. <laughs> <laughs> So you've got all the time in the world. I guess I do. <laughs> to to yeah. run again. You know, you know that when someone's 87 and they won't stand up again, even though he denounced Trump early on, then he hugged him on the stage. You know that if he won't kind of 
go down on principle at 87. He's not going to do it any other, probably any other time. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we've gotten to the, the, my, my list of questions here that was getting into um, political stuff. We, we talked about the discomfort bill in Florida. You jumped ahead on that. But you know, you're a former politico. Now, what grade would you give President Biden? I think grading people is kind of silly. Asking the question, perfectly valid. <laughs> okay, all right. So you're not gonna. So you're not gonna answer the question. What do you? Th so don't. So don't grade him. Look, look, look. What, what do you think of what how he's done so far? It's been a year and a month. Oh, well, he's had some ups and downs. I what I hope is is that. By November, he'll have accomplished a lot of things that, uh, uh, including a lot of the elements of Build Back Better. And because I, I think that there's been a little bit of a disservice, and it's been all around in terms of, especially in the media, of instead of, of, of I think the Washington media does this a lot, which is it gets into um, inside baseball and horse race and doesn't cover what the content of these bills. So uh, what I would suggest now for the Senate uh, is uh, for Chuck Schumer and for the rest of my Democratic colleagues and former colleagues there is to uh, put the elements of Build Back Better onto the floor, at least the ones that uh, Manchin and Cinema, or at least would consider backing. For example, uh, Manchin has said he is for, uh, you know, expanded uh, pre-K, pre mm -hmm. universal mm -hmm. pre-K. That would be a great thing. Americans before that. You put that on the floor, Americans want that. And if Republicans vote against it, if we don't get 60 votes, we put in a reconciliation package. But at least Americans know what we're fighting for. The same right. on... Um, you know, same on uh, uh, extending uh, or uh, subsidies for childcare. Mm -hmm. That would be wildly popular. You know, in Europe, the average country subsidizes the average kid fourteen thousand dollars for for childcare. In the United States, we do four five hundred dollars, five hundred dollars. And that would be wildly popular. It also would make sure that people could go to work, that moms could go right. to work or dads could go to work, and and actually would would help maybe bring down a little bit of the inflation on 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 salaries and wages mm -hmm. because more people would be able to go out into the workforce. So you and know, Al, with there's a whole bunch of stuff like this uh, uh, getting costs down on. On prescription drugs, on on insulin, doing uh, on child tax credit. Mm -hmm. My God, if you put that out there, and I don't understand why we just don't put one after the other out there, so the American people can see what the elements of this are. Because if they right. did, so we could pass this stuff. And I wish it had been done sooner. I wish that some of the stuff people could see the results of it before November. But I think these 
people will see what Democrats are for, and it will be help us a lot in November. So, Al, you know, they say time flies when you're having fun, and time has has flown. We've got maybe about three minutes left. But I wasn't having one a while. Oh. <laughs> now I am. Okay. All right. So, Al, <laughs> the last question, the, the last question is another Twitter question that has come in um, from uh, Miriam E. Tucker. And she asks a question that was going to be my final question, and I think a lot of people are wondering, and it's this. Al, has there been discussion of you hosting SNL or possibly even returning to the cast? The people in their brains think I was the cast member, but I was uh, what was called a featured player. Mm -hmm. And so um, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that I'm too old to be a cast member now. <laughs> and also, they have a big. They have a pretty big cast and a pretty good cast, and uh, so uh, you know, I yeah, I don't think that's that's in the cards. All right, now, and here is the the final question, and it, um, okay. I did her question didn't go where I thought it was going, but this one does. Before okay. your tour kicked off, you said that you wanted your audience. I'm sorry, no, not that one. There are rumors. This is the question. There are rumors that Lauren Michaels. Um, Rumors about Lauren Michaels retiring. Lauren Michaels, the legendary and longtime executive producer of Saturday Night Live. Would you want to go back to Saturday Night Live as executive producer? I don't think so. It's a very, uh, that might be a pretty hard and thankless job going, taking Lauren's shoes at this point. I also think there's other people probably who, have been doing that and been around that, uh, you know, like Seth Meyers, although he, he might not, he probably wouldn't want to do it because he's got his own great show. Uh, but there are people that are working there now in some capacity as producers. So that's, that's not, I don't think that's in the cards either. But if they came to you and said, hey, we'd like to have a discussion, would you take that meeting? I'd say, come on. How much <laughs> what are we talking about, guys? I'm the, I'm probably the only one who can do it. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd have a different negotiating posture than I just had. Right. I'd ask you not to let that out, but let that people see that. <laughs> well, Al Franken. <laughs> Former senator from Minnesota, now on your quote, the only former U.S. senator currently on tour tour. Thank you so much for coming to Capehart on Washington Post Live. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks for listening to Capehart. It's produced by Julie Deppenbrock. We'll have new episodes for you every Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Capehart. You can find me on Twitter at CapehartJ.